And today we open our Bibles and we open to John 14. John 14. I want to go right to Scripture. I want to go ahead and tell you at the end of this message, if I ask our team to leave me a little time, we're going to have a time of prayer at the very end. And I believe the Lord is going to speak to each of our hearts today. We have been considering, we have been studying. If, uh, if I could ask everyone to mute your phones, I can hear some phones ringing. I know that's a, a mistake. I've done that too. So if you could please mute your phones during this time, I would truly appreciate it. But we have been considering something great on these Sunday mornings. We have been considering, we've been looking, we've been meditating, we've been contemplating on Jesus these Sunday mornings and the technical term is Christology and it just simply means the study of the person and the work of our Lord Jesus Christ. And if you are a true follower of the Lord, nothing should thrill you more than to just meditate upon Jesus. I don't know about you, but when I go to my Bible, I just see Jesus. From the old to the new, I see Jesus. When Peter, James, and John were with Jesus on what is called the Mount of Transfiguration, the cloud overshadowed them, and it was there that Peter suggested that Moses and Elijah get equal treatment with Jesus. They get equal accommodation with Jesus. Let's build three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. It's at that moment that the cloud overshadowed them. It wasn't a cumulus cloud or any other kind of cloud. It was a cloud of God's glory. And out of that cloud, the Lord spoke. And he said, this is my son. This is my beloved son. Hear him. And I think we in the church today, not this church, but every church, we would do well to heed our Father's word today. Let us hear Jesus today. One of the character qualities that is needed for a healthy society are the qualities of truth and honesty. In the first covenant, we have in Exodus what we call the Ten Commandments. And the Ten Commandments are a framework for really the entire law. All the 613 commands. But in those Ten Commandments, what we have is a framework. A framework for uh, the first tablet of the Decalogue is about our relationship with God. The second tablet of the Decalogue is our relationship with people. God, a relationship with God, and a relationship with people. When Jesus was asked, what was the greatest commandments in the law? Jesus said this, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And this is the great and the foremost commandment. And the second is like to it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And he said, these two commandments hang and depend all the law and the prophets. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Within the Ten Commandments, ten commandments 6, 7, and 8 say this. You shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, and you shall not bear false witness. 
These commands are all about living a life of truth. Truth, honesty, living a life of fidelity. Do you realize today that, that lying has become so much a part of our American culture that we've almost become accustomed to it? Not only do we have a pandemic of coronavirus, I think we have a pandemic of lying. We have a pandemic of untruth in our nation today. Politicians, one man said, do you know when a politician is lying? When his lips are moving. During this political cycle, which I'm not really that much of a political person, I'm about the kingdom of God. And politics has nothing to do, nothing to do with the kingdom of God. Zero. And the church needs to understand that. But during this political cycle, we've watched politicians just blatantly lie. And I think sometimes people have lied so much they don't know they're lying. And they don't realize everything is recorded on audio and video. Everything. We watch even preachers lie. And exaggerate things. Right now in the, on the headlines across the nation, very high profile minister got caught in some illicit affair with someone that wasn't his wife. And after it was all exposed, the, the lady that he had had this affair with said this about the minister, sadly. And I quote, he doesn't need to preach because he is a narcissist and he lies too much, end quote. The news media, we've watched our news media spin stories sometimes that are simply not true or purposely leave out situations in certain information where it's distorted and it's not really what it really is. We do understand that a half truth is a whole lie. There's a reason that we stand and in our court system, they say, would you put your hand on the Bible and would you raise your right hand and would you repeat these words? I promise to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth. So help me, God. There's a reason that we do that. A principal of a school in Miami, Florida was honored and even got to go to the White House and received honor and accolades some time ago, but later was demoted because after investigation, it was found out that the school had faked report cards, doctored achievement tests, and inflated attendance records. The principal was confronted with it, and he simply said errors were made. A pastor at the end of his sermon, at the end of a service, at the conclusion of a service on a Sunday said, congregation, I want to ask you to do something with me because next Sunday I'm going to preach on liars. And he said, I want to ask you to do something with me. I would like our congregation, if you would please read the 17th chapter of Mark. The next Sunday comes around, the pastor walks to the podium and said, I would like to know how many of you uh, read the uh, 17th chapter of Mark in getting ready in preparation for the sermon this Sunday and half the congregation's hand raised. He said, you are the people I need to talk to. There is no 17th chapter of the gospel of Mark. This morning I want to preach on Jesus the truth. And I would ask you to stand with me as we read a text of scripture. 
Would you stand with me? If you do not have a Bible, the scriptures will be on the screen. John chapter 14, as we read this text today. St. John chapter 14. Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places, many rooms, many mansions. The, the picture is one big house with room for everyone. That's the picture. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again. I will come again. Come on, I will come again. He's coming again. And receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way where I am going, Thomas said to him. Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. If you had known me, you would have known the fa Father, my Father also. From now on you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it will be enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I been so long with you? And yet you have not come to know me, Philip. He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own initiative or my own authority, but the Father abiding in me does the works. Believe me, I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe because of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, will he do also. And greater works than these will he do because I go to my Father. Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another comforter another helper, another advocate. Intercessor would be a good translation also. He's our helper. He's our comforter. This, he says, and he may, abide with, uh, may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. I will have you to notice in verse 6, Jesus calls himself the truth. I would have you to notice in verse 17, he speaks of the spirit of truth. And I would have you to notice verse 15 where he tells us to keep his commandments. Father, bless us today in this message. Help thy servant, we ask in Christ's name. Amen. You can be seated. This morning, let me speak for a little while on this subject. Jesus the truth. First of all, Jesus is the truth. That's what he said, and that's what I'm going to talk about for a moment. What, it, what does it mean? When we say Jesus is the truth, what does that mean? Several things. One, one of the things that it means that Jesus is the truth is that he is the only one who can reveal God in reality. I mean, you know, there's only one God. There's one true God. And there's only one person who ever truly revealed him. 
and that is God's son. Now notice with me in verse, in this uh, chapter here, it says, when you have seen me, you have seen my father also. Now, this is clearly a statement of deity. Jesus is saying, I am God. In other words, as Jesus claims deity here, Jesus is saying that Jesus and the Father, they're one. Now, they're not one person. They're two persons, but they're one in essence, one in nature. When you see Jesus, you see God. He's God in the flesh. In John 1.18, it says, no one has seen God at any time. I love this translation. The only begotten God, the only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father has explained him. That word explain means detailed information in a systematic manner. It means to inform, to relate, to tell fully. It could be translated this way. The only one who is the same as God told us everything about him. So what it means is this, that Jesus as the truth is the one who came to this planet and he claimed to this planet to reveal God in his fullness to us. You know, it says in Hebrews, and I'll just relate to this verse, that God spoke in many times and in many ways through the prophets, many little portions. He would give a little revelation here and a little revelation there. A prophecy here, small portions here and there. But when Jesus came, that was the full expression of the revelation of the Father. And he came that we may be reconciled to him. Now think about this life. You say, well, what is life about? There's a lot of people groping around in life. There's a lot of empty people in our world and our nation. But the, what life is about is about knowing God. And notice he says here, have I been so long with you and yet you have still not come to know me? See, life is about knowing the Lord. We have a banner somewhere and it's about knowing him and getting to know him more every day. Isn't that what life is about? This abundant life in Jesus Christ. So Jesus being the truth means that he is the only one who has come to reveal or can reveal the true God because he is God. It also means this, that as the truth, he is the only one who reveals the true way of salvation. I have watched over the last decade ministers, several ministers on national TV compromise on this issue, become so soft on this issue that it's absolutely troubling because blood has been shed for this message. You understand? People have suffered clinging to this truth. And that is this, that there is no other way to God but through Christ. And you and I both have watched on national news as these, as these preachers, if you want to call them that, kind of fudge on this. Well, I don't know if he's the only way. No, let me be clear. He is the only way. There is no other hope for the world than Jesus Christ. This means that there are not many ways to God. There's only one way to God. His name is Jesus. Now you understand the word is clear on this. The word is abundantly clear on the issue of who the Savior is. And there's only one mediator between God and man. The man, Jesus Christ. That's our message. Jesus himself said this, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved. And he will go out or will go in and go out and he will find pasture. 
Then again, Jesus said this, enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it. The gate is, for the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life. And there are few who find it. The gate is narrow. What does that mean? Does that mean that I have to be perfect? No, that means that there's, the gate is Jesus. Jesus is the narrow gate. He's the only way. There again, Jesus teaching in Luke said this, strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. And when Peter was preaching before a hostile crowd, he says these words, and there is salvation in no one else, and there's no other name under heaven given among men by, in which, by which we must be saved. Jesus is the truth in that he is the only one who has revealed God because he is God, God's son in the flesh. And he has revealed the true way of salvation. There's one way, and that is call upon the name of the Lord Jesus and you shall be saved. He is the Savior. And by the way, he's still saving today. Are you, are you saved today? Are your family members saved today? We got a lot of praying to do. Some of our family members are not saved. This is our message. We don't need to waste time in other messages. We are calling people to salvation. It also means that Jesus being the truth, that he not only is the true God, reveals the true God, the only God, but also that he is the only true way of salvation and also that he reveals the true power of God. Notice what he says here in this text. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father's in me. Notice, otherwise, believe me for the works. Everyone say the works. Those works are his mighty works. Those are his mighty miracles. See, Jesus didn't just do miracles just to be doing miracles. In fact, when Satan tempted him, he said, why don't you throw yourself down? Why don't you do something spectacular? No, Jesus only did miracles when his father told him to do miracles. Everything Jesus did was in yielding to the father's will. But he did miracles to authenticate that he was not just a man, but he was the God man, that he was the very God among us. Emmanuel, God in the flesh. So he would authenticate his messianic claims. And in the Gospel of John, he performed at least eight signs, works, miracles, same, same thing, synonymous. Works, these works. And in John, he also said this, but the testimony which I have is greater than the testimony of John. Notice again, this is John 5, 36, for the works which the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I do, they testify about me that the Father has sent me. Jesus, as the true Son of God, reveals the Father, revealed to us the way, the beautiful way of salvation. Whosoever will may come, but he also demonstrated the true power of God as, as he authenticates his messianic claims. What are the eight miracles found in this gospel? One of the miracles, which is the beginning of the miracles that he did in his ministry. Now, there are some, there's some, his, there's some stories that are made up that said that Jesus did miracles as a little boy. That's not true. 
This is what it says. This is the beginning of miracles. We know that in John 2, he turned the water into wine. We know that in John 4, he healed the royal official son. And he said, go your way, your son is healed. And you remember he asked, it says, when he got home, the boy was healed. He said, when was, when was he healed? And he said, at this hour. And he realized it was the very time that Jesus spoke the words. We know that he healed a paralytic in John chapter 5. And he said, get up and take your mat and walk. And the man just got up and began to walk at Jesus' words. We know that in John 6, he healed, or rather he fed the 5,000 with just five loaves and two fishes. We know that also in John 6, he walked on the water to come to his disciples. We know that in John 9, he healed a man that was born blind and he put mud in his eyes and he said, go wash in the pool of Shalom. And he went and he washed and he came seeing. We know that in the 11th chapter of John that he raises Lazarus from the dead. One of the greatest miracles outside of Jesus' own resurrection is the resurrection of Lazarus when he said there at that graveyard, Lazarus, come forth. And he came forth wrapped from head to toe in grave clothes. In John 21, we know that Jesus said, have you caught any fish? No, we haven't. Cast on the right side and you'll catch fish. And they caught 154 fish so much, but yet it said the net did not break. Jesus authenticated his miracles with these, uh, these, his authentic claim, his messianic claims with the miracles. He worked creative miracles. He worked distance miracles. He worked miracles of supply, miracles over nature, miracles of healings, miracles over demon powers. Why? Because Jesus is the truth in every way. But think about this today. Not only is Jesus the truth, but Jesus has given us the truth. And he's given us the truth in the form of Of the most amazing book the world has ever known. And I hold it in my hand. It's called the Word of God. It's called the Scriptures. And it's not just a book. It's a library of books. When you have a Bible in your hand, you have a library of 66 books that you're carrying around. And this is the truth. Notice in verse 10 of our text, do not believe. Do you believe rather that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words. Say that with me. The words. The words that I say to you. I do not speak on my own initiative or authority, but the Father abiding in me does the works. The very, the very words. He has given us the truth. The greatest gift that God has given this world is the very word of God. The word of God is truth. Now, understand what I just said. I did not say the word of God contains some truth. I'm saying the word of God is the truth. In John 17, 17, it says, Jesus speaking, sanctify them in thy truth. Say it with me. Thy word is truth. Say that with me. Thy word is truth. Your word is truth. And this is what kind of truth? As I've said, this is a truth that saves. This is a saving message. The power of the gospel, the powers in the saving gospel. 
This gospel has power to change people. This has power to forgive sin. Power to break the domination of the sin nature. The power to take a human being out of darkness and bring them into light. It's the power to give us an inheritance among those who are sanctified. Ephesians says it this way. In him you also, after listening to, I love this, the message of truth. The gospel of your salvation. The message of truth. The gospel of your salvation. Having also believed, you were sealed with, the, with him, sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. This is a gospel that saves us because it is the truth. Jesus has given us the truth. But it's not only a gospel, it's not only a truth that saves, but it's also a truth that will sanctify us. We need to hear this today. Are you listening? Say amen. We need to hear this. The church of Jesus Christ in our modern day needs to hear this. This is a truth that sanctifies us. Again, thy word is truth. Sanctify them, John 17, 17. Sanctify them, how? In thy truth. I am absolutely convinced the reason that so many Christians live such sloppy, unconsecrated lives is because they are not spending time in the sanctifying word of God. This word will change you. This word empowers you to godliness. And if you're not in this word, you're more vulnerable for temptation. Your spirit is not as strong. Jesus again said this. He said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you continue in my word, then are you my disi- truly my disciples of mine. And you will, you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. Verse 36 of John 8. So if the son makes you free, you are free indeed. Jesus is the truth. And he has given us the truth to guide our lives and to strengthen our lives. And this truth not only saves and not only strengthens, this is a truth that sanctifies, but it will strengthen you. This word will strengthen you. I personally have never met a Christian who was a strong Christian without being a man or woman of the word of God. I've never met one. The common denominator that I've seen over and over and over again, you find a strong, fruitful Christian you find a person that spends daily time in the word of God. This word strengthens us. Acts 20, 32 says, And now I commend you to God in the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among those, all those who are sanctified. John, little John 2, 14, Having written, I have written to you, fathers, because you know him, who has been from the beginning, and I've written to you young men. Notice, notice this, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you. You are strong because God's word lives in you and you have overcome the evil one. Do you want to overcome Satan and all of his minions and all of his strategies and all of his fiery darts? Get the word of God in you. That's what Jesus quoted the word of God at the temptation and the enemy had to flee. This word of God This word is truth, but not only is this word truth, this word is reliable. The word of God is trustworthy. You can can count on the word of God. Heaven and earth will pass away, but he said, my word shall not pass away. You can build your life on the word of God. You can build your marriage on the word of God. You can build your family on the word of God. It will never let you down. 
But there are multitudes of people who have named the name of Christ. And they're saying, well, I'm a Christian, but I, my life is so shaky. My marriage is messed up. My children are this, this and that. My, my life seems like I'm on a faulty foundation. You confess Christ and you receive forgiveness, but you're not building your life in the obedience of the word of God. It's not enough just to hear the word of God. We must apply it. We must build the foundation of God's word in each of our lives. Can I hear an amen? amen. This word of God is trustworthy. You can count on it, but you also need to claim it. You've got to claim the word of God. What, what do you mean? I, I'm thinking of how Abraham received a true word from God. But it took a long time for that word to come forth because not only does God want to give us things, but he wants to work in us to develop character in us along the way. And it was a long time. In fact, it was 25 years from the promise to the fulfillment. And it says this in Romans, in hope, this is Abraham, in hope, against hope, he believed there was no more hope. Maybe you know a situation, you're, you're in a situation, and you say there's no hope anymore. Against hope. In the natural, there's no hope. In the human realm, there's no hope. But it says against hope, so that he might become the father of many nations. Notice, according to that which had been spoken. God spoke him one word. God didn't give him a, a seven-year plan. A, God didn't give him an, even a 25-year plan. The Lord just gave him one word and said this, so shall your descendants be. That's it. Now you understand, Abraham didn't have this. This wasn't here yet. Moses hadn't even wrote his stuff. Job hadn't wrote his things. But he had one word. Can I tell you this? You can, you can hang your life on one word. You can count on one word. And it says, later on here, it says that he did not stagger in unbelief. What did he do? He kept claiming the word of God. He kept standing on the word of God. Why? Because it's truth. And it's trustworthy. You can count on it. You can claim it. And he didn't waver. And, it, and he was given the power. And Sarah was given the ability to bear children in old, old age. What a story. What a story. No one would have ever believed that that could happen. Why? Because in the natural it couldn't happen. But he claimed what God has said. Today, I claim everything God has spoken to us. I claim it today. I stand on it today. Think about it. We need to claim the word of God in the face of earthly con contradictions. We need to claim the word of God in the face of long delays. We need to claim the word of God in the face of human opinion and criticism. Why? Because we need to claim God's word. It's trustworthy. Not only do you need to count on the word of God, not only can you claim the word of God, we've got to call on the word of God. You say, what do you mean? It says in Romans, and whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction, notice this, so that through perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures, hear this, the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. This Bible is like an, a loyal friend that'll never let you down. Are you hearing me, saints? This book right here is like a friend that sticks closer than a brother. You want some encouragement? Open up and let John talk to you. Come on, let Moses speak a few words to you. Get over there and let the Psalms encourage you. Why? Because the word of God will encourage you always. 
Here's something important we also need to do. Not only do we need to count on it and claim it and call on it, we need to confess it with our mouth. We need to have a good confession out of our mouth. Hebrews says this, let us hold fast the confession of our hope. You need to confess the word of God. There may be a mountain in front of you, but that mountain has to move when you begin to speak the word of God over it. It has to move and be cast away from you. You need to confess the word of God like, like, I, like Hezekiah did in, 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 in one, he was surrounded by Sennacherib and the Rabshakeh and the Assyrians and they said that we're going to destroy you. And he sent word to Isaiah. And Isaiah brought this word to the king and said this. Here's the word. Now this is in the face of a hopeless circumstance. Here's what, what do you think Isaiah was going to say? What, what was he going to say? Hope your insurance is paid up, buddy. We're going out here. <laughs> no, sir. Here's what he said. He sent word to the king. He said, go back to the king and tell him this. Do not be afraid because of the words that you have heard with which the servants of the Assyrians have blasphemed me. Behold, I will put a spirit in him and he will hear a rumor. He will return to his own land and I will make him fall by the sword in his own land. The enemy you see, he's going to be gone. He, he spoke the very word of God. We need to speak the word of God. Got to confess it. It's truth. Jesus is the truth. His word has been given to us and is the truth. And we need to cherish this word. We need to treasure this word. Look at this. Psalm 119, 127. Therefore, I love your commandments above gold, above fine gold. You realize if you laid a Bible here and you laid gold right here, most Americans would go for the gold. And I can tell you this, they would be poor for it. You hear me? They may grab the gold over this gold, the gold of God's scripture, but they would be so poor. If you, we, have, we need to cherish this like we do treasure because it is treasure. Thy word have I treasured in my heart. It's important that we get the word of God in these boys. and You want to protect your family? Get them in the church house. Get them in the Sunday school. Get them in the kids' class. Get them in the worship service. It's vitally important that we get boys and girls. Why? Treasure the word of God in their heart, and they won't go the way of the world. Job said this, I have not departed from your command of your lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. We need to treasure it. My son, keep my words and treasure my commands. This word is truthful. It's trustworthy. We can count on it. We can confess it. We can, complain, we, can, we can claim it. We can cherish it. We need to love the word of God. This is the church's book. It'll change your life. The word of God. Think about it. The word of God is truth today. The word of God is accurate it's accurate. Listen to me. The word of God is precise in its definitions. Corinthians says, we have the mind of Christ. Pastor, what about marriage? What about morality? What about ministry? What about the church? What about my finances? What about my children? What about the past? What about the present? What about the future? What, what do we, where do we find out what to do? We have the mind of Christ on all of those issues. The word of God is precise. It's true. This is true. 
It's precise. It's accurate. This is reality. Not what people are making up in their carnal minds. This is the reality of what God sees and what we are before him and what we truly are. This is the truth. This is what God has given us. The words. Precise in their definition. For instance, sexuality. God has shown us what is morality and what is immoral. It is clearly defined. Precise. Sex is for marriage alone. Sex is a gift for marriage alone. All other sexual activity outside of marriage relationship is a sin. It's very simple and very precise. Listen to the word of God. Hebrews says, marriage is to be held in honor among all. And the marriage bed is undefiled for fornicators and adulterers. God will judge. It's very clear and very precise. Marriage itself is between one man and one woman. That is what a marriage is. Society may try to redefine it, and it may be voted in by uh, some society. It may be accepted by a majority. That doesn't matter. It doesn't change in the sight of God. A marriage is between one man and one woman. It's the truth. What about genders? The Bible said there are only two genders. Male and female. Genesis 1, 26 and 7. God made them male and female. There are two genders, male and female, period. We have the truth. We have the mind of Christ, the truth. What about life? Where did life come from? The Bible is clear. God is the author of all life. And life is to be valued highly. We are to value the unborn. We are to value the elderly. Because life is precious. In the sight of God. Anywhere Christianity is embraced. Value for life goes up. Respect goes up. Civility goes up. Eternity, there are so many philosophies about eternity. The Bible declares there's only two eternities in every one. Every human being that's ever been born to this planet, on this planet, will live somewhere of one or two places in eternity. It will be heaven or hell. And that is going to be predicated on what they did with Jesus the Christ. He said, in my Father's house are many dwelling places, many rooms. There's enough room in the Father's house for everyone, all the seven or eight billion people that are on this planet, dear friends. Whosoever will may come and drink of the waters of life freely. The Bible declares it very clearly. The Word of God is precise. I heard an interview with Mike Tyson, the former great boxer, and he said this in his interview. He said, I feel like I've been here before. Meaning that he existed before and now he's coming back. Now he's back in a different way and then he's going to be back in another way. Listen, that's all imagination. The word of God is true. And we're going to spend eternity somewhere with God in his presence forever in that place fairer than day. Or in hell separated from him for all of eternity if we reject Jesus Christ. The Word of God is accurate. The Word of God is also revealing. The Word of God reveals our true condition. 
It says that it's like a two-edged sword. It, it goes down to the very intents and thoughts of the heart. And it says that nothing is hidden from the sight of God. This, the Word of God is like a mirror. And it shows us what we really are in the sight of our God. Here's a very powerful verse of Scripture. Two verses, John three nineteen and 20. This is the judgment that light has come in the world. And men... Men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Why don't people go to church more? They don't want to come to the light. It says, for everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for fear that their deeds would be exposed. They don't want their deeds to be exposed. They want to find one of those churches and one of those preachers that will preach gospel light. Don't make anyone feel uncomfortable. Just be sure to get them back. Give, get, get them back next Sunday so they'll give or whatever the motive is. But I'm telling you, people, if they come in and this gospel is preached, they're going to be under conviction. Because light, light reveals what's in the darkness. Light exposes the evil deeds. So that we can come to the light and be cleansed and be forgiven and given a place at God's table. Think about this. Jesus is the truth. He's the truth. He reveals God. The only true God. He's given us the truth in the form of his written word inspired by the Holy Spirit. But the last thing I will say before we pray is this. Thirdly is this. Jesus calls his people to live in the light of the truth. Did you hear me? Our text said, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. And then it says in verse 17, the spirit of truth, the spirit of truth. Of course, the spirit of truth is the Holy Spirit. The spirit of, you you realize the Holy Spirit is not the spirit of entertainment. Not the spirit of give you emotional uplift. I heard a, someone wrote an article I read this week, and the article was titled, The Church Has, what was it? The Church Has Replaced Prayer for Smoke Machines, what was it? Smoke Machines and Being Cool. I would concur with that for the most part. He's the Holy Spirit. It's the spirit of truth. What does that mean? That means that when the Holy Spirit comes into our lives, he empowers us to live lives of truth in the midst of a crooked world. He enables us through his grace of salvation and through his infilling of the Holy Spirit to empower us to bear the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, meekness, temperance, etc. Peace, joy, self-control. I'm going to read as we close this message, conclude this message with a lengthy passage of Scripture of what the Spirit of Truth wants to do in each of our lives. In fact, I, I want our musicians to come while I'm, while I'm starting to read this. You come. I want them to begin to play. And I'm, after they start playing, I'll read this. And I want us to get ready to pray. This verse of Scripture, this passage is in Ephesians 4. Notice the words truth that are contained in this passage. Ephesians 4, 17, beginning says, And I say to you and affirm together with, with the Lord 
that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. And they, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. But you did not learn Christ this way. If indeed you have heard Him and have been taught in Him just as truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, which is, which is in the likeness of God, a likeness of God is created in righteousness and holiness of truth, of the truth. Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak the truth to one another of you with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and do not give the devil an opportunity. He who steals must steal no longer, but rather must labor, performing with his own hands what is good, that he will have something to share with one in need. Jesus is the truth. He calls us to be truthful in all that we do. We should not lie. We should not bear false witness. And we should never slander someone. We should not exaggerate nor inflate numbers. We should not try to make ourselves look better than we actually are. We should not give half a story to distort the reality of something. We should not have hidden places of darkness in our lives. We do well to receive the counsel of King David when he wrote these words. Behold, you desire truth in the inmost being. And in the hidden part, you make me know wisdom. I want us to pray. Father, today we ask that you search our hearts. Search our lives, Lord Jesus. You are the truth. You've given us the truth. But you called us to live our lives in the light of the truth which you have given. We have been redeemed. I pray today that you would put your searchlight on each of our hearts. Lord, if there's any untruthfulness, if we've told a lie, if we've exaggerated, if we've flattered someone, which is a form of a lie, if we've cheated, if we've stolen something, if we've said something, if we've given a false impression of something that it really wasn't that way, 
I pray today, Lord, that you would cleanse us by the spirit of truth. You would sanctify us in your word, that you would sanctify us in your divine presence, that the word of God would bring us to that place that we would say, Lord, we repent. We are sorry that we have failed you. We're sorry that we have promoted a lie or lived a lie or spoken a lie or acted in such a way that was wrong. I pray that your your wonderful searchlight would go and search our hearts today. Because Lord, we can't just sing songs. We can't just sing songs. We can't just go through the motions. You want more than that. You want truth on the inward parts. You want truth on the inside. What I would like to ask us to do, because I really feel like the Holy Spirit is speaking to our hearts, all of us, to search our lives. That we need to be people of the truth. There's so many lies. Husbands lie to wives. Wives lie to husbands. Children lie to parents. Students lie to teachers. Employees lie to employers. Lying is a pandemic across our nation, but it has no part of the child of God's life. That's our former life. We're to be people of honesty and truth and integrity. I'm going to ask these worship singers and leaders to lead us in a song. And as we're singing this song, I want you to pray. If there's an error that you need to deal with in your heart, only you and the Lord know that. But let the Lord search your heart. Let the Lord search your life today. Jesus is the truth. He's given us His truth. And He has called us to live in truth that He's given us. Let's worship. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus just to Jesus 
that you're allowing the Lord to work in your life today to bring forth his truth to bring forth his righteousness in us because we're people of the truth and the Bible talks about the belt of truth it's the first piece of the armor and in fact the sword and even the small shield hung on the belt and if you're not walking in truth in the inward parts it all falls off all the armor falls off. You're defeated. And, and some scholars have said that word truth means truthfulness or integrity. The belt of integrity. It's very important that we speak truth to each other. That we, we live the truth out before each other. That we're honest in all that we do. And in the face of a world that has become dishonest. And in the face of a country, our own nation become a nation of untruth and falsehoods this is not what anything can be built on you ever wonder why that you go to sign something and there's 300 pages you have to sign and used to be just shake someone's hand i heard years ago that arnold palmer and his business partner they they their entire business dealings and we're talking about Hundreds of millions of dollars started as two young men who shook hands with each other. Never had a contract. Those days are gone, by the way. But it shouldn't be gone among God's people. Amen. We should, we should be about the truth. You hear me? Are you with me today? We should be truthful in our marriage relationships and in the places we go, the things we do, speaking truth, living truth out, is vitally important that we do that. And, and the Holy Spirit, once again, is called the Spirit of Truth. So why don't we covenant together today that we're going to speak the truth to each other. You can count on my word, right? I can count on your word. You know, when, when we... When we say we're going to do something, we're going to do it. Unless there's some crazy, you know, unless there's a hurricane or something, hey, I'll make it later. You understand, faithfulness, this is what strong churches are built upon, truthfulness. 
you know, you got a multitude of churches across the land. I don't mean to sound critical. It's about smoke machines and having a little jamming out time. Listen, worship is more than a jam out time. It's about experiencing Christ in the depth of his gospel. And unless we have truth, we don't, you don't have a church. You have a passing fad. You hear me? A passing fad. But I, I pray that we'll be like what Jesus said. He saw Nathaniel coming and he said, Indeed, indeed, here's, a, here's, a, here's someone, here's an Israelite rather, without guile. There wasn't duplicity in his life. This is what Christians are truly supposed to be. Father, today, thank you that you, you are the truth. You are the true God, the only God, Jesus, God in the flesh. And, and we clearly see the Father in you, Jesus. We see his willingness to forgive us. And we are so grateful for the truth that you've given us in your words. The truth about salvation, the truth about God, the truth about everything that we will ever face. We have the accurate truth of your words. We must embrace it and live lives of truth. May truth be in our marriages. May truth be in the way we spend our money the way we speak and the things we say to let our yes be yes and our no be no and anything else is from the evil one we need to talk less and listen more where there is many words there's not a lack of sin we need to stop talking so much and we need to listen and only speak when we have something substantive to speak Lord may we not exaggerate may we not ever flatter but may we just speak the truth in love Lord, fill this church with truthful people, honest people that truly love each other and are truly what they say they are. It doesn't mean we're perfect. And Lord, it certainly doesn't mean that we don't stumble at times, but we strive for truth. Thank you for your mercy today. Why don't you just thank him for his mercy? Come on, could you do that? Just lift your hands just for a moment. Thank you for your mercy, Lord. Thank you for your mercy. We don't deserve it. We deserve nothing. We deserve nothing. But you've been so kind and so good to us. You've been so gracious and so compassionate. Oh, your mercy endures forever. And for this, we thank you. We thank you. And now, Lord, as we conclude this service today, I just pray special grace on each of our lives. We pray for a wonderful week in your grace. Meet every need that we have. Keep us close together. Help us value one another. And Lord, as we enter into Thanksgiving week next week, that we would just begin to think of the so many multiplied ways that you blessed us. Let's look for gratitude. Let's express gratitude in all that we do, Father. And now, church, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and may the love of God and may the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I